This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Get ready for some East Coast swing, because Motown Billy's back again. (laughs) I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at TD Pavilion at the Man in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a man I call my tasty cakes. It's Peter Sagal. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Philly. It is great to be back here at the beautiful Man Center, right in the city of brotherly love, one of the few forms of love that will not be soon declared illegal by the Supreme Court. <laughs> Later on, we're going to be talking to Philadelphia's own Daryl McRae, also known as Cornbread, the man who many credit with inventing modern graffiti. He did that here. But first, we want you to make your mark, so give us a call. The number is one wait wait that's one 888 Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. This is Catherine Horwath from Omaha, Nebraska. From Omaha. When I was growing up, I used to watch Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And being a small, impressionable boy, I always assumed that the amazing scenes of jungle life happened in Omaha. <laughs> so do you, do you enjoy the wildlife of Omaha? I do. Have you been to the zoo? Because that's what you get. That's what you get, down in the zoo, in Omaha. I believe they've actually put Warren Buffett now, just to keep him safe. (laughs) Well, welcome to the show, Catherine. Let me introduce you to our panel. First up, the head writer and executive producer for Jesus and Mero on Showtime. His new comedy special, People Pleaser, is available to stream now. It's Josh Gondelman. Hey, thanks so much. Lovely to be here. Next, a contributor to CBS Sunday Morning, host of the podcast Real Good, and her off-Broadway solo show Approval Junkie is now available on Audible. It's Faith Saley. Hey, Catherine. And a comedian you can see August 22nd through the 28th at the Brad Garrett Comedy Club at MGM Las Vegas. It's Alonzo Bowden. Hello. So, Catherine, welcome to the show. You're going to play Who's Bill? This time, Bill Curtis is going to read you three quotations from the week's news. Your job, of course. Explain or identify two of them. You know that. Do that. You will win any voice from our show you might choose on your voicemail. Ready to go? Yep, let's go. Let's do it. Here is your first quote. There was ketchup dripping down the wall. (laughs) That was someone telling us what happened when Donald Trump got so mad he threw his lunch at the wall. It was an account we heard at a surprise hearing of this week. Called by whom? The January 6th committee. Exactly right. The January 6th committee. Yay. On Tuesday, the committee held a surprise hearing with one Cassidy Hutchinson, a key aide to Mark Meadows. She was a central player in the Trump White House, but nobody else knew who she was until she testified on national TV, at which point the Trump White House said they didn't know who she was. Perhaps the most memorable moment of the remarkable hearing was learning Donald Trump got so mad when he found out his attorney general wouldn't support his big lie about the election that he threw his lunch angrily against the wall, leaving ketchup smeared on the walls of the White House. 
While shocking to many, insiders find it a surprisingly civilized moment from Trump. Usually he would just wipe his discarded lunch on Lindsey Graham. <laughs> I think the bigger surprise is that he threw a hamburger. Yeah, well you do know Alonzo. You know, five minutes later, he sort of stumbled back in, picked out the food amidst the you know shards of China, and ate it. Because <laughs> he wasn't going to let I that go to waste. There was probably there's probably a White House aide whose job it was was to keep another hamburger ready to go. <laughs> when Trump's in a meeting, they actually keep a second hamburger at a separate location as a designated survivor. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the official lunch. <laughs> you know. The more and more details of his behavior, I, I, my, I put my parenting hat on, and I was just like, this is just a, a little baby man who needs boundaries, right? right? And like, you know, you have to tell him, like, I know you want to drive the big SUV, but you've got to sit in the presidency. Yeah. And, and I, you know, you've got to, I know you're so upset. That's, you... that's what happens when you don't buckle him into the car seat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So obviously Faith was referring to this, another story that Ms. Hutchinson told about how Trump wanted to join the mob so badly, he actually tried to grab the wheel of his own vehicle and attack the Secret Service agent. Well, the, the question is, who was this Secret Service officer and, and what incredible discipline he had to not just smack the hell out of him? Right. <laughs> right? Like... It, I bet they don't even cover that in the training, though. I bet they're never like, look, I know someday you'll want to fight the president. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Your next quote is from a woman in an airport. After one hour of walking around in circles, I just sat on my suitcase and cried. What is so messed up that people are sitting on their own suitcases and crying? Is it work shortages for airlines? Yes, it's air travel. Air travel is completely messed up. Airlines are experiencing historically bad delays and cancellations. They predict it will get worse as we get into the holiday this weekend. Apparently, the airlines laid off staff and they retired aircraft during the pandemic and now they can't keep up with demand. Air travel, air travel is now like particle physics. You can know where you're going or when you get there, but never both at the same time. To say that air travel is bad, it, do, it doesn't even begin to describe the abuse the airlines heave on you. Now, I fly every week, and, and I'm a platinum flyer, and they treat me like dirt. And all I think is, man, what are they doing to Group 7? Like, they just, they're just beating them with sticks and tying them down somewhere. It's, it's also, to say that it's historically bad, it's not like before the pandemic you'd show up at the airport and be like, oh, a spa day. <laughs> I, I read that there was actually a flight this week canceled because, de- delayed, because it was flying to Florida and they kept on the runway for, quote, possible odor. How is that not every flight? You know when you're going to get on. It's not possible odor. There will be odor. That's true. That's how you get there. I love that movie, There Will Be Odor. (laughs) (laughs) Daniel Day-Lewis deserves another Oscar. (laughs) I smell your milkshake. (laughs) All right. Here is your last quote. Our situation has become pretty dire at the castle. That was an employee of Medieval Times. 
part of a group of workers at that company trying to form a what? Union. Yes, a union. The Knights, Squires, Stable Hands of Medieval Times are trying to form a union. They're tired of this big corporation malording over them. <laughs> the company does not support the union. They state that management is decreed by divine right and all employees are merely vassals. <laughs> I like this. I mean, I think it's great that that uh, unionization is kind of, and labor organizing is kind of sweeping through a bunch of industries. And yeah, I think that's really important from Starbucks to medieval times. And I think that they, you know, everybody deserves better health care. They've been shorting these employees on leeches for too long. Exactly. <laughs> you have to pay out of pocket for leeches? That's insulting. Can't they just torch the castle? <laughs> So, now, this is also interesting, for especially for you patrons of medieval times. The problem, the workers say, isn't so much management as the customers. People apparently routinely get drunk, and they scare the horses, or, this is all true, they try to grab the falconer's falcon, or run up is and Is that try- a euphemism? No, that's a- there's actually a falcon. I mean, it's not like, oh yeah, you know, they were in back grabbing the falcon, if you know what I mean. No, they were actually would, trying to grab the falcon. Would my lady like to join me in the stables for a bit of grab the falcon? <laughs> right? So this is a problem. So they want, the employees of medieval times want either their employer to put a stop to that behavior or to give the employees real swords. <laughs> I think if someone tries to grab the falcon, the best thing you could do is let them. <laughs> Enjoy. I'm sure the Falcon would have fun with some amateur. Yeah. Oh, that's why you're wearing the big leather glove. Yes, that's... (laughs) Bill, how did Catherine do in our quiz? She got three right, and she's a winner. Thank you so much for playing, Catherine. Bye-bye. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. All right, panel, time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Josh, Rudy Giuliani said he was viciously assaulted, viciously assaulted in a grocery <laughs> store this week when somebody came out of nowhere and did what to him? They, well, he said they slapped him on the back and said, uh, can I, I don't know if I can say this, but they said, what's up, scumbag? Right. <laughs> which, which in Staten Island, is that even an insult? Well, that's true. <laughs> or is it a standard? Yeah. Well, so this is what happened. So Rudy Giuliani says, oh my God, I was assaulted at this appearance. He said that he was almost knocked to the ground. Everybody was like, oh my God. And then the surveillance video came out and this guy walks up and like sort of lightly whacks him <laughs> on the back as if trying to help him cough up something lodged in his throat. <laughs> Here you go. The way the media covered this so-called assault was really, was really striking. The New York Times said Giuliani tapped on back by protester. <laughs> and Fox News said Rudy Giuliani, 1944 to 2022. <laughs> he, is, he is at an age that a pat on the back could be dangerous. <laughs> That's true. But even this one, was that, that had to be the gentlest... Yeah. Pat, it was almost as if he was patting him to say, look out, they're after scumbags. (laughs) Watch out. So, yes, as you say, uh, the guy who was, in fact, arrested for assault said, hey, what's up, scumbag, which actually is the nicest thing anyone has said to Rudy Giuliani in a long time. (laughs) And, in fact, this is interesting, it's actually his Secret Service nickname. (laughs) Secret Service is like, yes, I've got eyes on scumbag. He's entering the beast. (laughs) 
That's what it should say, like, when you drive over the Verrazano Bridge from Brooklyn into Staten Island. Because like, all the, the boroughs have their own little slogans, yeah. like Brooklyn has one and Queens has one. The, the <laughs> sign when you enter Staten Island should say, like, welcome to Staten Island, what's up, scumbag? <laughs> Coming up, learn a hidden secret of Philadelphia in our Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, A People's History, is now streaming on Hulu. What does it mean to be black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as black experiences, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcast. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Alonzo Bowden, Josh Gondelman, and Faith Saley. And here again is your host at TD Pavilion at the Man in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Right now... It is time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Now, usually we would tell you the number to call, but I have just been told that our phone lines here have gone down. So our producer, Shana, has brought a mic down into the crowd and handed it to one of you. Hi there. What's your name? Uh, my name is Gray. Hi, Gray. Are, are you like from... Like the color. Like the color. Okay. Are you, are you from here in Philadelphia? I am. I grew up here, and you... I live here now. Wow. Did you, did you ever try anywhere else and found it just not as, as satisfying as Philly? I, I did. I went to college in Minnesota, and I'm back here because I love it. There you go. Well, awesome. I, I can't help but agree. Well, you're going to play our Bluff the Listener game. Each of our players right here on stage is going to read for you a story from the week's news. Your job will be to... Pick the real one. Bill, what is Gray's topic? Visit Philadelphia. (laughs) So it turns out that your home city, Philadelphia, has a new attraction. Is it a bell that isn't broken? (laughs) Our panelists are each going to tell you about this new Philadelphia attraction. Pick the one who's telling the truth. You will win our prize, the waiter of your choice in your voicemail. You ready to play? Yes. All right, Gray. First up, let's hear from Alonzo Bowden. They blew up Philadelphia's Veterans Stadium back in 2004 to build two shiny new stadiums next to it. But lifelong Philadelphia resident Monroe Mealy doesn't care for them. That's why he created the Vet Stadium Experience, a recreation built in an old warehouse not far from the parking lot that marks the real stadium's grave. The Vet Experience has green concrete floors to conjure up the old AstroTurf. It serves beer at 1980 prices, and when visitors have too much of it, they can hurl snowballs prepared for them at a walk-in freezer. (laughs) 
You can enjoy activities like rushing past mounted policemen to get on the field and screaming obscenities from the 700 level. And of course, if anyone misbehaves, the vet experience, just like the old stadium, has a judge on duty to put you in a holding cell. The vet stadium experience, the loving recreation of the old vet stadium. Your next story of a reason to visit Philly comes from Faith Saley. Of course Philly has a cheesesteak museum. What you don't expect is that they mean it. It's a museum of cheesesteaks, partial cheesesteaks eaten by wholly famous people. At the entrance, under a glass dome, visitors are met with three quarters of the cheesesteak that doomed John Kerry's 2004 presidential run. You know, the one he ordered not with classic gooey cheese whiz, but with Swiss cheese like a damn socialist. <laughs> when Rudy Banny, a UPenn doctoral student in political science, discovered this ignominious cheesesteak for sale on eBay, complete with DNA certification, he snatched it up. And he knew he had a collection to build. With funding from the Philadelphia Political Culinary Society, he's now curated cheesesteaks that have touched the mouths of legendary Philadelphians like Walt Whitman, Hall and & Oates, and Terry Gross. <laughs> a cheesesteak museum with actual cheesesteaks chewed on by the famous. Your last story of a new stop on the Philly tour bus comes from Josh Gondelman. From climbing light poles to booing Santa Claus, Philadelphia sports fans are known for showing their intense, let's say, passion for local teams. But one... <laughs> I love this energy. But one fan, 45-year-old Matt Edwards, has gone above and beyond, turning his home's downstairs bathroom into a monument to his beloved Phillies. The relief room, as Edwards calls the commode, is a celebration of retired Phillies relief pitchers. Though the room is jam-packed with Philly's ephemera, such as signed photographs and figurines, the area above the toilet remains largely empty. That's because it's reserved especially for pitchers who have played for Philly's championship teams. <laughs> Edwards did miss an opportunity for guests to declare their need for personal relief the same way that catchers deliver signals to a pitcher. Throw down one finger if you need to do what the Phillies do with a late-inning lead. Two fingers if you need to do what the team is playing like overall. <laughs> All right. Here are your choices. One of these is a real place you can visit when you come to Philadelphia, and you all should. From Alonzo, the Vet Stadium experience, a recreation in a warehouse of all the things that made the old Vet Stadium both great and terrible. From Faith Saley, the Cheesesteak Museum, one that has actual cheesesteaks. Really? And from Josh Gondelman, the Relief Room, a museum for Phillies relief pitchers located, of course, in a fan's bathroom. Which of these is the real new tourist attraction in Philadelphia? If all of you who have grown up in Philadelphia like I have, the only answer is three. The only answer is the Relief Room. All right, well, your choice is Josh's story of the relief room. Well, to bring you the correct answer, we are so proud to tell you we spoke to the creator of this remarkable attraction. It's a bathroom where you go to the <laughs> so I decided to honor the Phillies relief pitchers in this room. That was Matt Edwards talking about the relief room. Congratulations, Gray. You won our prize. 
Not to mention handling the spotlight with Philadelphia Plum. Give it up for Dre, please. Thank you so much for joining us. And thanks for being here. And now the game where we like to invite local luminaries on to ask them about something that happened far away. It's called Not My Job. Now, Philadelphia has lots of claims to fame. They invented the United States here. They introduced religious tolerance, roast pork sandwiches. But you may not have known that this city is also the birthplace of the modern graffiti movement. And the person credited with that invention is Daryl McRae, who started painting the tag he's become known by, Cornbread, back in 1965. He still lives here in the city where he was born. We are delighted to welcome him to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Daryl Cornbread McRae. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I have a lot of questions. We're going to get to some of them in the time we have, but I'll start with this one. How did you get the nickname Cornbread? I got the nickname Cornbread in reform school. Really? I was a troubled youth. Yeah. I was put away, and the bread is always kind of hard. And about a week of that, I went to the back of the kitchen and I approached the head chef, Mr. Swanson. Mr. Swanson, my grandma made the best cornbread in the world. Would you consider putting some cornbread on the menu for a trial basis? He said, I'm a busy person. I don't have time for no cornbread, man. Who gave you permission to come into my kitchen? I said, nobody. He said, take a walk. So I left. Two days later, I come back in this kitchen again. <laughs> I said, Mr. Swanson, can we talk about some cornbread? <laughs> and he was like, man, you're really getting on my nerves, and I don't have time for your crap. And you have got my kitchen. It's going to be something. Make this your last time coming to my kitchen. Take a walk. I left. Two days later, I'm in this kitchen again. All right, I'm going to pause. I'm going to ask you, just pause for a second. What's your thought process, right? <laughs> so you're a kid. You went in there. You asked for cornbread. Totally reasonable thing to do. My, he said, no way. So my thought words. process that I knew I was aggravating him. Yeah. <laughs> I know that I was getting on his nerves. And that was my way of getting into some, some mischief. Right. And you were like, all right, let's go annoy him. So you go in. Third time, what I'm happens? I'm pestering the cook. Yeah. So the third time I go in the kitchen, the kitchen worker see me coming in. Uh-oh. I said, Mrs. Watson, your boy here. <laughs> my boy, my boy who? Your boy Cornbread. <laughs> so everybody started laughing at me, calling me Cornbread, but the, 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 the institution was a festival of gang members, and all gang members had real cool nicknames. And everybody was calling me Cornbread, calling us up, teasing me. I didn't mind them calling me Cornbread. That's a cool-ass nickname. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. That... <laughs> That is a better origin story than like half of all the Marvel movies, right? <laughs> that is fantastic. All right, so now you're Cornbread, that's how you're known. Cornbread McRae, he's the guy who invented graffiti. So tell me what you did and what you're credited with. And it dates okay. back to like the 60s. Um, I'm a credit for being um, the inventor of graffiti. Such is not the case. Graffiti has always been since the beginning of time. Right. Like the caveman. Sure. I am the world's first modern-day graffiti artist. Okay. I wrote my name on the walls for the sole purpose of establishing a reputation. Is that so, called tagging? Yes. That's, <laughs> that's the new term. Right. Okay. So you, so you yes. more or less, it, you 
more or less invented tagging. Well, is, when he was doing it, it was just called cornbreading. He was the first guy. Yeah, I know. Why did they name it after him? Well, so, so, so part of your legend that we heard about as soon as you mentioned your name to people in Philadelphia is some of the places and things that you tagged with your name, including, if I'm not mistaken, an elephant. I had to do it. <laughs> And I, I want to assure our listeners, especially the elephant, was fine. But tell me what happened. Well, I start walking bus routes. And I'm going to work one day. I always buy a newspaper so I could read while I ride. On the front page of the newspaper is Cornbread is shot to death. Who else could this be? Yeah. <laughs> Story on page three. And it read, the fantastic career of Philadelphia best-known graffiti artists came to a mile and sunny outside a hotel and bar. I'm reading about my own death. Right. <laughs> well, this became a prescription for a disaster. So, I knew I had to do something bizarre. I, I'm getting the idea. So in order to prove to the world that you were still out there, you had to do something bigger than you'd ever done before. You know what I did. Right. You know so I you did. broke into the Philadelphia Zoo. I didn't zoo. break into the zoo. No. Tell me what you did. Peter, come on, man. I'm sorry. I came to the back of the zoo, and I came over the fence. Came down to the poetry we was at. I hopped into the pit. I walked up to him. I took the spray can off. He turns around. <laughs> He's like, this must be the biggest bag of peanuts I've ever heard. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Elephant turns around and looks at you. I walks up to him. I write, corn bread lives. Right on the other side. Corn bread lives. Well, I was kind of disgusted because I went through all that to do something within 60 seconds. When I came out the pit, the entire zoo was at my disposal. Right. I just bombed the whole zoo out. Yeah. 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 Oh, I bet. I just, so, so the elephant was somebody, cool with this. Somebody. Was the elephant cool? The elephant was cool with this. Though. Yes. Consent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Basically, this is the Philadelphia version of Charlotte's Web. Someone else was in that zoo. Somebody else. Yes. And seen what I did. Yeah. And called the police. Yeah. By the time I came out the zoo, yeah. come to the turnstile. Zoop, zoop. Don't run. Put your hands on top of your head. Take me to the police station. And all this time, I'm tired because I was up half the night. I'm sleeping. We're trying to rest. And every five minutes, the cops would come to the What's one of y'all's cornbread? I said, here, what's up? Give me your autograph, kid. <laughs> this was all day long. I, so, <coughs> I, I, I was about to say I have a feeling. That's not true. I know we could be here all day and you would have even more amazing stories. Yes. But yes. sadly, we don't have all day and we have business to do. So, yes. cornbread, Daryl, we have asked you here to play a game we're calling... Tag, you're it. So, you're an expert, obviously a pioneer in one kind of tagging. We thought we'd ask you three questions about the game of tag. Answer two of them correctly. You'll win our prize for one of our listeners. The voice of their choice in their voicemail. Perhaps at this point, yours. Bill, who is Cornbread playing for? Dan Foley of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. All right. Ready to do this? Here's the first question. Of course, as you can might imagine, there is in this world a professional tag league. They play the sport professionally. It's called World Chase Tag. The idea is you have a small arena, obstacles, a chaser tries to tag an evader in a set period of time. Which of these is an official term used in that sport? A, the wounded rabbit. 
in which the person chasing fakes an injury, drawing the evader to come help, and then he tags him. B, the Benny Hill, in which the chaser chases the evader around and around, an obstacle to no effect, like that old comedy program. Or C, the existential crisis, in which either player suddenly realizes that playing tag is ridiculous for grown adults. C. So we can do it for C. <laughs> Just like a triple turn. He's not wrong. I know, it's existential yeah. crisis. It's a good guess, but in fact, the answer is the Benny Hill. That is a term they oh use gosh. in professional tag. Okay. Apparently, it's a mistake rookies make. This is not a problem. Cornbread, you got two more. Perhaps you're bored by that kind of professional tag. You want something more exciting. In which case, you can enjoy which of these? A, Catch Me If You Can. That's a Croatian dating show in which people compete for the right to date someone by chasing them through a house. B, Global Tag, an amateur league in which the playing field is the entire planet and rounds often take years to complete. Or C, Archery Tag, in which instead of tagging each other, players shoot arrows at each other. <laughs> I'll go with A. You can do with oh. A. I'm afraid it was a C, archery tag. Oh, God. What? There, it's, it's called archery tag. They're padded arrows. And I got to tell you the truth. I watched it on video, and it looks like a lot of fun. All right. You, did, you didn't mention they were padded arrows. Yeah, that's true. That's a technicality. Because, you know, all right. that takes all the fun out of it. It does, really. <laughs> Cornbread tags the arrow as it flies by. <laughs> all right, here's your last question. The multimillionaire Andrew Mellon and his brother Richard engaged in a decades-long tag war with each other, which finally ended when which of these happened? A, Richard trying to escape Andrew's tag leapt into the Susquehanna River and was never seen again. B, on his deathbed, Richard called Andrew over and whispered, last tag, into his ear, and then immediately died. Or C, Andrew had himself encased in a giant rubber ball so he could never be tagged again. B. You can go for B. On his deathbed, Richard called Andrew over and said, last tag, gotcha, and died. You're right. That's what happened. <laughs> Bill, how did Daryl Cornbread McRae do on our quiz? Well, he got one right, and uh, just short of uh, being a full winner in our game. But we do know that every time you go in public and see the word cornbread, you'll know he's a winner. Yeah. <laughs> Cornbread, I, I have to ask. I have to ask one thing. When we walk out of here tonight, are we going to see Cornbread on the wall backstage? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Alonzo, it's already on the back. <laughs> oh my God. I already been tagged. <laughs> you can see Daryl Cornbread McRae's artwork online at paradigmarts.org and artsy.net. You can see it in person over at the Paradigm Gallery and Studio in Philadelphia. Daryl McRae, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, wait, wait, don't tell me. Give it up for cornbread. In a minute, learn the secrets behind your secrets. It's our listener limber challenge game. Call one triple eight. Wait, wait to join us in the air. We'll be back in a minute with more. Wait, wait, don't tell me from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life? Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit TeladocHealth.com slash What's Your Why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C Health slash What's Your Why.
This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com NPR today to get 10% off your first month. Support for NPR and the following message come from the Wallace Foundation, working to develop and share practices that can improve learning and enrichment for young people and the vitality of the arts for everyone. Ideas and information at wallacefoundation.org. This is my voice. I can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on Black experiences. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Faith Saley, Alonzo Bowden, and Josh Gondelman. And here again is your host at TD Pavilion at the Man in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute... Bill puts on just the cutest little riper in our Listener Limerick Challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one wait wait That's 1-888-924-8924. Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Faith, Prince Charles has denied officially that he did anything wrong when, as was revealed this week, he accepted what from the former prime minister of Qatar? Oh, probably a suitcase full of money. Exactly. It was of not only suitcases, but also shopping bags filled of money. You know what international relations are like. There's so much protocol, right? So, for example, when a golf plutocrat hands you an actual shopping bag filled with cash, the correct response is to mutter, oh, how kind, just what I wanted. My consort will be thrilled and stuff it into your shorts. These exchanges of cash, which just came to light, happened a number of times between 2011 and 2015. The prince's spokespeople say that the money was immediately handed over to the prince's personal charity, Cash for Princes. (laughs) (laughs) I picture that spelled with a K and then the number four. Exactly, yes. (laughs) And a dollar sign. It makes it better. I hate that that jingle. backwards year-round. 900 Cash for Princes. <laughs> Does he realize, like, when you bribe the prince, that he doesn't have any real power? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like if you're going to bribe somebody, bribe somebody who's really it's in the real, government. It's not, point. Like, like, you bribe Prince Charles, and Prince Charles is like, I really can't help you at all. No, it's like, like here, Prince right. Charles, there's, there's 70-year-old man, I I, I'm going to give you all this money because I want particular favors. And he's like, well, I can't ask my mother. <laughs> right. <laughs> It is a little bit like handing a briefcase full of cash to Ronald McDonald. <laughs> just like he's not really in charge. <laughs> just to figure out. He head. just wears the funny suit yeah, and goes yeah. out in public, yeah. What's that? Mayor McCheese is running things. <laughs> Alonzo, summer break is here. We're thinking about vacation. Soon we could all be staying in a proposed new hotel that can accommodate 5,000 guests and is located where? Uh, it's not a ship. It's not a ship. Okay. Uh, well, it's not a ocean ship. Oh, it's a spaceship? No, Are not quite. Between... Is Bezos taking us with him? No, it's between the ocean and space. It's in 
In the air? Yes, it is a flying sky hotel. The Sky Cruise Hotel, it's a new concept. They rolled out the video. It's designed to take all of the luxury of a cruise liner and make it airborne. It sounds amazing, really. Who has not been on a cramped flight to somewhere and thought, boy, I wish I was stuck up here for a week. <laughs> and, and, the, it, and it flies around? It, it just flies, flies just, around. It flies the in the air. It just flies in the air. And it will be piloted by AI, so you don't need pilots to stay up all Alan night. Alan Iverson, shout out to Philly. There you go. <laughs> You think I don't know how to pander? I know how to pander. That was, that was a pretty good pander, John. So they got, they got the AI pilots, and it is powered. You're wondering, how can it step there for so long? Easy. 20 nuclear onboard reactors. So it's a nuclear sky hotel what steered by computers. What couldn't go wrong? Computers, computers will never malfunction or discover reasons to kill us all. Because it's good. When you think accident-free, you think of driverless vehicles, nuclear reactors, 30,000 feet in the air. <laughs> Josh, uh, accounting firm Ernst & Young is being ordered to pay a $100 million fine after its staff cheated on what? Oh my gosh, that's such a big fine. It is a big fine. <laughs> Can I have a hint? Yeah, sure. The first question was, yes or no, is it okay to cheat on this test? <laughs> Was it a test of their, their integrity? Yes, an ethics exam. An ethics exam. Yes. Wow. They cheated on an ethics exam. Apparently, the accounting giant used this required ethics exam to screen out ethical people. <laughs> the exam was really hard. All the questions were just true or true as far as anybody will ever know. I don't know. If I'm hiring an accounting firm and I know they're really good at cheating, I'm going with them. Right. <laughs> what do I want an honest accountant for? Well, I got that, that kind yourself, of money. Man. Matter of fact, if a company not only cheated, but cheated so much that they can pay a $100 million fine and keep on going, these are great cheaters. That's this, true. This, I yeah. to and do this my... is the story of how Alonzo was audited for 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one wait wait That's 1-888-924-8924, or click the Contact Us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. And doesn't it sound like we're having fun here? It does! They're all having fun if you would like to have just as much fun, come see us at our new home in Chicago, the Studebaker Theater, or August 25th and 26th at Wolf Trap, just outside of Washington, D.C. Find tickets and more information at nprpresents.org. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, Peter. This is Kenneth Bowman from Livonia, Michigan. Hey, Livonia, Michigan. Wait, where, wait a minute. That's like in the Detroit area, right? I think I've heard of it. It is, yeah. It's right inside the main um, uh, interstate that goes around the city. Right, okay. And, and what do you do there? I am a reliability engineer. Are you? For who? I hope so. I, uh, I work for Bosch. You work for Bosch? Yeah. My, my mother-in-law loves that show. <laughs> <laughs> does she find it reliable, Josh? She does. She, she thinks does. Bosch she is does. one of the most reliable shows. Right, okay. Well, Kenneth, welcome to the show. Bill Curtis, of course, is going to read you three news-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly into the limericks, you'll be a winner. Ready to go? Ready as ever. Here is your first limerick. 
Without overhead bins where the junk spreads, this flight leaves banged knees and some clunked heads. But I'm able to sleep because they've stacked us too deep. And we lie down all night in our... Bunk beds? Bunk beds, bunk yes, bed. Kenneth, yes. Bunk beds are no longer just for siblings in the brief period before they start loathing each other. Economy passengers on Air New Zealand will soon be able to book sleeping sessions in these stacked sleeping pods on the plane. The sessions that you can buy will only last four hours, so everybody in the plane has a chance to use them. So instead of jolting yourself awake in a puddle of your own drool, you'll do it in someone else's. <laughs> so right after a pandemic, we're going to share sleeping quarters on an airplane. Exactly. What could go wrong? <laughs> Here is your next limerick. The rings beneath my eyes are real deep because of the secrets I keep. It's taxing my brain to keep things contained. That's why I will need some more. <laughs> Sleep. Sleep, yes. According to a behavioral scientist, keeping secrets can make you sleepy. The idea is that keeping a secret can be feel isolating and stressful, which leads to fatigue. So, if you're having trouble sleeping, have an affair. <laughs> It's great news and involves two popular hobbies, knowing gossip and being unconscious. <laughs> I, I like the idea of lying in bed, counting the secrets you know to make <laughs> exactly. yourself sleepy. You're like, my brother's cheating on his wife. Uh, I've been embezzling at work. <laughs> I, I work for Ernst & Young. <laughs> Here is your last limit. We both hit it off really well, because our chemistry is making us gel. Our olfactory glands hold proverbial hands. We are friends because we have the same... Smell. Smell, yes, Kenneth, exactly right. According to a new study, people who smell alike are more likely to be friends. And that is doubly true if they smell like weed. <laughs> great news is, this is great news for anybody who's having trouble making friends. Just go to a bar. Walk up and down, start sniffing armpits, and when you get to one you like, say, you smell like home. Uh, um. <laughs> I'm just imagining millions of women thinking, oh great, here's another level of creepy. Now he yeah. wants to smell me. Bill, how did Kenneth do on our quiz? Well, we know that Kenneth smells like a new German car. But he got them all right. <laughs> He's a winner. Congratulations, Kenneth. That was, that was excellent quality control. Thanks so much for playing. Have a good one. You take care. When you try hard, but you can't quite make it, make it look this good like me. You want to do it like this right, but you can't do it this good like me. Can't walk that walk like me. Can't talk that talk like me. Can't look this good like me. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. 
Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top 10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial. A member FDIC. Now on to our final game, lightning fill-in-the-blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer is now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the score? Faith has two. Alonzo has two. Josh has three. All right. All right, so Faith and Alonzo are tied. Um, I'm going to pick Alonzo arbitrarily to go first. The clock will start when they begin your first question, fill in the blank. On Wednesday, Finland and Sweden were formally invited to join blank. NATO. Right. On Thursday, the Supreme Court ruled that the EPA could not set blank standards for power plants. Uh, Emissions. Yeah, climate standards. This week, Ukraine and blank announced a prisoner exchange. Russia? Right. On Tuesday, a panel of experts urged the FDA to push for a new vaccine targeting the blank COVID variant. Uh, Omicron? Yes. This week, Toyota had to recall their new electric vehicle because blank. Battery was dead? No, because the wheels kept falling off. On Wednesday, a judge in Chicago sentenced disgraced R&B star Blank to 30 years in prison. R. Kelly. Right. On Monday, a court in Russia set a trial date of July 1st for WNBA star Blank. Brittany Griner. Right. This week, a building contractor in Idaho finished removing a roof from a house before realizing Blank. That a tornado would do it for him. No, that he had gotten the address wrong and it was the wrong house. No one was home when this contractor arrived and had his crew completely remove the roof. The contractor says to the aggrieved family that their insurance will have to pay to replace it, but this is true. The insurance company says they won't pay because they cover damage to roofs, and these people don't have a roof. <laughs> Bill, how did Alonzo do on our quiz? He had six right for 12 more points. He now has 14. That gives him the lead. All right. Faith, here we go. Fill in the blank. On Thursday, the Supreme Court concluded their current term by swearing in the newest justice, blank. Katanji Jackson. Yes. On Thursday, Israel voted to dissolve their blank. Parliament. Right. This week, Jeffrey Epstein Associate Blank was sentenced to 20 years on charges of trafficking. Ghislaine Maxwell. Right. On Thursday, Buckingham Palace said they'd completed an investigation into bullying claims against Blank. Meghan Markle. Right. This week, it was revealed that the Indian government had censored internet posts that were critical of the government blanking. Uh, twerking. No. Critical of the government censoring the internet. On Tuesday, the CDC expanded its call for a vaccine against blank pox. Monkey pox. Right. This week, a civil servant in Japan woke up after a night of drinking and realized he had lost blank. Um, all of his uh, teeth. No. He woke up realizing he had lost a USB drive containing the bank account numbers of every single person in the city. Half a million of them. The government employee was responsible for dispersing COVID funds to everyone in the city, so he had all of their information in this USB drive, or he did. Until he got so drunk, he passed out and was pickpocketed. Fortunately, the data is safe because the thieves are still trying to figure out which way to insert the USB drive. (laughs) Up, down, up. Bill, how did Faith do in our quiz? She got five right, ten more points. She now has 12, but Alonzo still has the lead with 14. All right. 
How many then would Josh need to win? He would need six to win. All right, Josh, ready? I am. This is for the game. Okay. On Wednesday, pharmacies around the country announced they were temporarily capping purchases of the blank pill. Uh, plan B. Right. According to financial reports, the blank is on track to have its worst year since 1970. Stock market? Yes. This week, the U.S. said it would permanently station troops in Poland to help combat blank's continued aggression. Russia? Right. On Tuesday, the leader of blank called for a new independence vote. Scotland? Yes. This week, the Colorado Avalanche set a new world record after they won the Stanley Cup and blanked. And blanked. And delivered the cup to the wrong address. No, after they accidentally dented it faster than any other team had. Oh, yeah. Thursday, the American Heart Association released a report saying the proper blank is essential for heart health. Diet? Proper sleep. Oh. On Tuesday, tennis legend blank was knocked out of the first round at Wimbledon. Serena Williams? Yes, citing the huge drop in valuation, a blank in California announced it would no longer accept cryptocurrency as payment. A cryptocurrency company? So close. I'll give it to you. A cryptocurrency-themed restaurant. <laughs> the restaurant Bored and Hungry opened in California just two months ago, but already they're saying they can no longer accept payments in crypto. However, you can still pay cash for the NFT meal, which for $250,000 gets you a receipt for a burger you can never actually eat. <laughs> Bill, did Josh do well enough to win? He needed six, and he got six. Whoa! He is the winner. A dominant performance. <laughs> In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists to predict what will be the next surprising reason there's ketchup on a wall. But first... Wait, wait, don't tell me. It's a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Phil Bogotica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our tour manager is Shana Donald. BJ Liederman composed our theme. Our program was produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, Lillian King, and Nancy Seichow. Our production assistant is Sophie Hernandez de Munida. Special thanks to Blythe Robertson. Our camp counselor is Peter Gwynn. Technical direction is from Lorna White. Our CFO is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog and the executive Executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. Now, panel, why will there be ketchup on the wall next time? Josh Gondelman. Mayor McCheese flies into a rage after hearing Grimace has been democratically elected the new leader of McDonald Lambs. <laughs> Faith Saley. After winning the 4th of July hot dog eating contest for the past six years, Joey Chestnut experiences a career-ending wall-splattering burp. And Alonzo Bowden. When I order my McNuggets with barbecue sauce, I don't want this damn ketchup. <laughs> and you're not going to get any. <laughs> but if you do, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Josh Gondelman, Faith Saley, Alonzo Bowden. Thanks to everyone at WHYY. To the staff and crew at the TD Pavilion at the Mann Center. And to our fabulous audience here. Thanks for coming out, everybody. And thanks to all of you for listening at home. I am Peter Sagel. And we'll see you next week. This is NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com NPR. 
Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. It's a high-stakes election year, so it's not enough to just follow along. You need to understand what's happening so you are fully informed come November. Every weekday on the NPR Politics Podcast, our political reporters break down important stories and backstories from the campaign trail so you understand why it matters to you. Listen to the NPR Politics Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.